This coming from Romans chapter 16 says, I urge you, brothers and sisters, to watch out for those who cause divisions and put obstacles in your way that are contrary to the teaching you have learned. Keep away from them, for such people are not serving our Lord Christ, but their own appetites. By smooth talk and flattery, they deceive the minds of naive people. Everyone has heard about your obedience, so I rejoice because of you. But I want you to be wise about what is good and innocent about what is evil. The God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. The grace of our Lord Jesus be with you. Timothy, my co-worker, sends his greetings to you, as do Lucius, Jason, and Sosipater, my fellow Jews. I, Tertius, who wrote down this letter, greet you in the Lord. Gaius, whose hospitality I and the whole church here enjoy, sends you his greetings. Erastus, who is the city's director of public works, and our brother Quartus send you their greetings. Now to him who is able to establish you in accordance with my gospel, the message I proclaim about Jesus Christ, and in keeping with the revelation of the mystery hidden for long ages past, but now revealed and made known through the prophetic writings by the command of the eternal God, so that all the Gentiles might come to the obedience that comes from faith, to the only wise God be glory forever through Jesus Christ. Amen. You may be seated. Thanks to all who have read in Romans chapter 16, uh, attempting some of those words or names that we don't often see too often. That's a great. Thanks, Matt. Well, welcome. If you're online, welcome. And uh, just do this for me. Just say howdy back. You can even type in howdy. That's all right. I am grateful for all of you being with us today. Uh, we are a family living out, loving God, loving all people, and following Jesus together. So if you are new today or newer to us, we welcome you. Uh, please do take a moment and fill out that connection card and let us know that you're here today. Just go ahead and do that. And we count it a privilege that you would give us the time right now. We don't take this uh, for granted. We know that time is valuable, and we want to come alongside you um, to assist you in your journey with Jesus, uh, your understanding of the Bible, uh, your understanding of community and what, it's, what we're called into. Well, we are concluding a three-week ser series today called Grateful for. That maybe you have found it difficult to navigating, navigate being thankful or grateful this season. It can be tough depending on where you are feeding your mind and your heart and what you're seeking to see, right? Jesus invites us into a vastly different way to think, to seek, and to live that does not ignore the tough, though. I mean, have you thought about that? I mean, he does not want us to ignore what is tough in the world. In fact, Jesus himself uh, faced the tough for us, but he said this, in the world you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. I don't think for a moment that Jesus sidestepped the world he was walking through, yet and he invites you and me to consider tilting our minds in these moments and, f and moving forward and our hearts to see him in the way that he has brought the kingdom reality to us. Again, Matt, thanks for reading Romans this morning. 
when you consider the list of people and the greetings Paul wished to give, we can see that he is grateful for his co-laborers. I mean, those who have come alongside and partnered with him in the cause of Jesus in his message. For Paul, he was a, he was a benefactor, not only of their, their giving, their finances, because we know that, but he was also a benefactor to their hospitality. But what is the cause? Seriously, what is the cause for Paul to send greetings of gratefulness on this last page of this letter? Why does he send these greetings and <laughs> sends it with a holy kiss, no less, to all these people? Why? I, I send many, uh, I send, I shouldn't say many, I send notes of thanks and gratefulness to show my appreciation for those things that benefit me and my family. Wrong, no, I think that's right. Uh, Paul is doing much the same, yet with even a deeper-seated reason. See, Paul sends his greetings because of the gospel. No other reason. It is the driver of his life and everything that we read about him. That is why he does what he does. So I think we need to ask the question and reinvestigate the question, what is the gospel? We throw the word around so often. In the Greek, it is from this word euangelion, which means simply just means good news. That's all the word means. So to be fair with the word gospel, it could be attached to many different things in our lives, right? Like the gospel or good news of getting your oil changed regularly. Right? If you've ever had a car that you didn't do that, you know what I'm talking about. Or the good news of just being kind. Right? Or the gospel of you fill in the blank. Now this is the incredible thing with this word gospel though. It's not used that way. Hardly ever Anywhere, I, I just typed in the gospel of in Google, and the majority of it came back the gospel of Jesus Christ, right? There are a few others, you know, that are, that are out there. But the world, this is my point, the world recognizes the word gospel as being synonymous with the good news of Jesus. Isn't that crazy? It's like if I said King David, most people, even in secular society, would go, Oh, do you mean that guy in the Bible? Yeah, the most people have an understanding of, I mean, I don't know how that works, but it works that way. And the gospel is the same way. And oftentimes, this is why it gets kind of confusing when we use the word, because we say, oh, the gospel, and we go, oh, you mean Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Well, actually, it's not the gospel of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. You guys knew that, right? It's the gospel written by Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John of Jesus Christ. Right? You have people who do not even know Jesus, but if you were, use the word gospel, they may look at you and kind of go, what are, you, what are you getting at? But there's some sense of understanding, even culturally still. It's really interesting. So, Paul, <laughs> Paul is focused on the gospel. He writes 
these names of Phoebe, Priscilla, Aquila, Junia, Epinetus, Apelles, Philegion, and others, <laughs> they're written in there because of the gospel advancement. They're not like, hey, you are a good trainer at the gym today. Or I'm glad you helped me do this. It's all related to and about the kingdom and the gospel. John Wooden, that great basketball coach of the UCLA Bruins, taught his players who scored to turn and give credit to the assist. You guys probably know this, right? I mean, you know, point to the person who passed you the ball. That's exactly what Paul is doing in this passage of Scripture. He's like, thanks for passing the ball. Thanks for the great assist and the gospel plan and game. So let me ask you a question. Who would you point to today? If you were a follower of Jesus, who would you point to today who passed you the ball? You were given when you came in a grateful four card. And we created these so that you could pass along a note pointing to the assist in your life. It's just as simple as that. Take this and write a note to the person who shared or to, and we may have some left over, I don't know, to the people who gave you the grand assist to getting the gospel. Now, we're still a little vague on the gospel. We'll get to it. But you can do that. And we, we, even, we even did this. We created a postcard. You probably don't have postcard stamps in your home. But you can get one. I'm sure of it. You can put a stamp on it and send it to them, even if they're far away. All right? Wouldn't you agree that we all just need a little bit of more encouragement these days? Yeah. Let's join that. It's as simple as just sending somebody a card, just saying, hey, thanks. Thanks for passing me the ball. Thanks for giving it to me. Just a little more encouragement to the people who have given us the encouragement in our lives. So Paul wrote these wonderful people because the gospel cannot have him do anything else. I mean, think about that. The gospel can't have him do anything else but to go, hey, thanks. Thanks for being part of the gospel train, if you will, right? Paul so wants the church in Rome to get the gospel that he writes them this benediction at the end of the passage that Matt read, to, read for us and to us this morning. It's an expression of praise. It's a benediction, but did you know it's a doxology? And some of you are like going, oh, we haven't sung that in a long time. No. Yes, that may be true. But no, that's not exactly what the, that is the doxology that was written as a song, but there are doxologies all over the place. And doxology is just simply an expression of praise to God. That's all it is. And he says, I have to give God praise Seems to be a good place for, for us to stop our series this month since we're riding our way towards Thanksgiving and we are attempting to be grateful for the things. I mean, for some of us, we'll get to it. For some of us, it probably is working very hard to be grateful these days. Yet you can see what God is doing. I mean, all right, just a little history about the doxology the one that you're used to singing, praise God from whom all blessings flow. 
right? Thomas Ken, 1647. Been around just a little, just a few years, but not as long as Paul's. <laughs> I love that. Paul has, has penned this, this conclusion, and let me read it again for us so we can let it sit in us a little bit. Now all glory to God who is able to make you strong. Just as my gospel says, or good news says, the, this message about Jesus Christ has revealed his plan for you Gentiles. How many of you are Jewish in the room? Or online? Some of you maybe. Aren't you grateful? Seriously? Oh man, I'm glad that Paul was listening to Jesus. A plan kept secret from the beginning of time. Shh, don't tell anybody. But now as the prophets foretold and as the eternal God has commanded, this message is made known to all Gentiles everywhere. This message was made known to all Gentiles everywhere so they might believe and obey him. All glory to the only wise God through Jesus Christ forever. Amen. Paul is grateful for the gospel, this good news of Jesus. He proclaimed the message both to the Jews and to the Gentiles. The majority of the church in Rome, you may want to know, was Gentile. Yet a few smattering of Jews were there too. This doxology, the expression of praise to God, extolling the promise given through the prophets' writings and God's command has been fulfilled in who? Jesus. And Jesus alone, no one else and nothing else, this is good news for you, for me, and for the world. We have this wonderful opportunity to believe, to believe, which is truly embodied when we live it. In fact, scriptural understanding of belief is an embodied understanding meaning mind, body, and soul. Yet, some of us are still scratching our head. Wait, wait, wait. What is the gospel again? Is it the four? You know, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. What is the gospel? Well, let's take a look. Let's kind of journey. We'll get back to, Rome, uh, to Romans in a second. But the gospel is the kingdom of God. The gospel is the kingdom of God. Uh, next week, we'll enter Advent, where we'll celebrate Jesus' inbreaking into this world as the incarnate Son of God, God with us, both in flesh and divine. He came as a baby f- to frighten unknowing parents. Any first-time parents in here? <laughs> yeah. You think they were any different? Nah, not at all. No manual on that, right? Following Jesus' baptism by John the Baptist, he stated clearly the realm of the kingdom of God was afoot. He said in Luke 4, 43, I must proclaim the good news of the kingdom of God to the other towns also because this is why I was sent. I was sent to bring in a kingdom that has been coming and is coming. We've been in Matthew uh, kind of walking our way very slowly through the Sermon on the Mount, which is very good, though. And Jesus, in those three-ish chapters, 
tells us concisely what the kingdom looks like, the who, what, when, and where of the kingdom. He really does. And it's, it's a beautiful picture. It's, a, it's a, a kingdom that those who we would think would be left out are in, and those who think they're in are out, and the behavior is countercultural to our world. It is a different kingdom. It is a different realm altogether. But this is the incredible thing. It's not temporal. Now we might go, ah, that's true. It is everlasting. Can I just have you hold on to that? That it is not for the now. It is for the now and later. Yes, the candy. Yet Paul was, who was once on the outside of the glass. Can you imagine? Have you ever been in a candy shop and you're wanting your mom or your dad or an ice cream shop and you're wanting your mom and dad to kind of go, hey, can we go through the door? I imagine that Paul was kind of like that in some ways. He's like, before he was transformed radically, he's looking in going, that can't be right. Nobody should have that much fun or that much candy. Think about it. Think about Jesus' kingdom, what it, what it gave and what it promised and what it fulfilled. Healing, authority. I mean, who wouldn't want that? And he's like, I've been let in. Now come, join me. Come on, come on. It's beautiful. It's wonderful. It's a promise fulfilled. But Paul, being true to his knowledge of his own life, knowledge of what God had come to do, acknowledges that sin separates. That sin separates. In Genesis 1 and 2, God placed Adam and Eve in the garden with everything they would need for being flourishing with him and with all, human, with all humanity to live out love. I mean, he, he gave them everything. But love to be truly love gives one the ability to choose. If you want to know what love is, love gives the ability to choose, at least a part of it. Often in theological circles, we would call this free will. We were given the free will to choose whether we wanted God or did not want God. And God gave Adam and Eve the choice. They chose autonomy. They wanted their own autonomy. So they ate from the tree of the knowledge of good and bad and died. They died spiritually. Not this physical death, a spiritual death, which separated them from the intimacy of their father. Can you imagine having these grand walks in the garden with your father? And then, because of distorted desires, taking a bite, if you will, maybe more figurative than literally, it doesn't really matter, and separation occurs. And he shows up, but you, you don't want to be in his presence because you know you've done something that you shouldn't do. Paul in Romans tells us that it's not just a separation that happened to Adam and Eve, but because of, because of what they did, we are involved in that. We, this is where we get the idea of original sin in Genesis 3. 
He says, there is no difference between Jew and Gentile for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Uh, have fallen short of the right mark of God. Uh, the, hitting the mark with God. And the crazy part of it is, is we don't have to talk to people too long or too far within the church and definitively outside of the church before we can have this conversation that says, hey, does it feel wrong? Doesn't it feel broken? Don't you think that there's a right thing? I mean, isn't there something, this isn't right. I mean, we could talk about COVID, we could talk about vaccines in our recent uh, recent uh, situation. We could even talk about politics. Not whether right or left is wrong, but just that it's broken, right? That something's not right. And it's because we are prone to picking up and doing the wrong instead of the right. We, have the, we don't have the ability to do the right because sin separates. And in order for sin to be reconciled and the debt to be paid, there had to be someone who paid the price, the ultimate price, a sinless one who had to pay the price. To cure the disease of sin in humanity. But God is faithful. God didn't leave those he created to fend for themselves. I mean, a few weeks ago, we even saw it, I think, we saw it, at least in my mind, I remember doing this, that he, he, he protected Adam and Eve and brought them along in just an incredible way. And Paul wants his Roman friends to know this, his Roman family members to know that that God is faithful. So he writes in Romans 5, 6 and 8, he says, when we were utterly helpless, Christ came at just the right time and died for us sinners. God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. Jesus fulfilled the debt for our sin on the cross. This story of pursuit has been written not only in the New Testament, but it has been written all throughout Scripture, whether it starts in Genesis 3 when when Jesus makes sure that Adam and Eve are clothed rightly. Or where I I love to linger and consider, and we can get in a longer conversation, this covenant promise found in Genesis chapter 15 where God himself puts himself on the hook to save humanity. He, he doesn't, he, he co-opts Abraham to be the starter of the family, but he, he knows that humanity cannot do it on their own, nor were they, they're not equipped anymore. And so he, he brings Abraham in to make sure that all of these sacrifices are set up. You just go there, and the imagery is powerful, where God himself makes covenant with himself to redeem humanity. I love it. And it's just strewn throughout scripture over and over and over again. But ultimately, it's fulfilled in Jesus, right? The sinless son of God born to Mary and Joseph, born into humanity, his life, his death, and his resurrection give way to the relationship broken by sin's curse 
God is faithful. In his faithfulness, Paul tells us in Romans, gives us a peace, joy, and a hope. It gives us many more things, but a peace, joy, and a hope that this world does not have. This world cannot understand, nor can it conceive of. Let me ask you, how are you doing in the peace, joy, and hope category these days? Is your tank a little low? Turn on the news. <laughs> it just drops a little bit, doesn't it? Read the feeds from your media post. It just drops a little bit more. I mean, there's good in there, but it doesn't outweigh the bad, let me tell you. Right? Uh, talk, to, talk to almost anyone. And you ask them how they're doing. Now, I don't mean this to be negative, but most of them will go, you won't believe what I've had to endure. Without hope, without a sense of peace, and joys evaporated. But Jesus, this is what happens when we find ourselves in the gospel, when we find ourselves in the story that he has brought to us, he tilts our heads and our hearts, not our little heads and not our, our, our little eyes. It's our heart, eyes of our hearts, and he tilts it in a way that we can see, oh, it's making an inbreaking into my life and to others' lives. Paul says it this way, Listen, in Romans 5, since we have been made right in God's sight by faith, we have peace with God because of what Jesus Christ, our Lord, has done for us. Because of our faith, Christ has brought us into this place of undeserved privilege. Maybe you don't like to hear that. You didn't deserve it. He didn't have to give it. But it's true. Where we now stand and we confidently and joyfully look forward to sharing God's glory. Remember the everlasting and the kingdom? We have to keep that in our, <laughs> in our windshield. We have to keep looking forward to what he has promised. Let me ask you, I get a sense that some of you are just a little low on faith these days. You're doing things ritualistically. You're doing things religiously. But you're not doing them relationally. <laughs> if you're running a little low in faith, can I just tell you Jesus has you covered? He always has, always will. So in this moment, right here, right now, you run low on faith, bring your mustard-sized faith to him. Give it to him. And allow Jesus to, to fill you up in the faith category. You can trust him more. So let's not move from this moment. Let's pray. Open your hands if you want. But Jesus has faith he wishes to give to you in this moment. So the gospel, the good news, is that Jesus died to save and restore us. Yet if that weren't enough, while Jesus was with his disciples before he ascended to the Father, he told them to wait for the Spirit 
So it's not just about this peace, hope, and joy in the holy, you know, that we have in the moment, but he said, there's more. There's more. He spoke of it through the Gospels. He told them to wait for the Spirit. And in Acts 2, we see what transpired. It gets us fired up. Every Easter, every Pentecost, right? Should actually be Pentecost, but some of us get a jump on it. They were empowered in a powerful way. That's why we extend our hands in faith, go, oh, Jesus, I can't, I can't conjure this up. I can't create this. I need you to fill me. See, they were empowered to be unencumbered. I know that's a different way to say, hey, getting the Holy Spirit. But think about it. You are empowered to be unencumbered. Their tongues spoke cross-culturally. Wouldn't that be cool? Seriously. Some of you are like, I'm not so sure. Ah, and they were unencumbered in a way that they were encumbered before. See, that's what we have to, that's one of the things we have to see about what God does through the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ, is that the places we were encumbered before were no longer encumbered, we're released, we're no longer bound to. In Romans 80, Paul says it this way, so you have not received a spirit that makes you, makes you fearful slaves Instead, you received God's spirit and he adopted you as his own children. Now we call him Abba, Father, for his spirit joins with our spirit to affirm what we are, that we are God's children. And since we are his children, we are his heirs. Some of you are worried about the, the illustration I used a few weeks ago that your grandpa and grandma are going to give away your million dollars. He's not giving away yours. He's wanting you to pick up on it. And Paul's like, brothers and sisters in Rome, brothers and sisters in Ypsilanti, Ann Arbor, Washtenaw County, listen to me. You are heirs of God himself, sons and daughters. The good news liberates us. Can, can anybody say I'm God's child? Go ahead. I'm God's child. Yeah. We need to say that over and over and over and over into our spirits. The promise empowers you to live and move with confidence and courage, not fearfully. Through Jesus, not only is sin's, sin broken, but we are able, if we choose, to live in the liberty of being unencumbered by the things that encumbered us. And yes, am I saying that you're sinless? I don't know, you know, God can do whatever he wants. But we're going to get tripped up from time to time. But the promise is that we'll not get caught in the flushing swirl of sin. Do you know what I'm talking about? That, that the, those thoughts and that mindset that you kind of go, oh, I'm, I might as well just go ahead and sin deep. I might as well keep going. He's like, no, because Jesus died for you. He gave you his spirit so you can live free, liberated, unencumbered. See, Paul knew the gospel's effectiveness 
He did not just end his letter with a doxology. He starts it with a powerful statement. It's found in Romans 1, 16 and 17. For I am not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God that brings salvation to who? To who? Everyone who believes first for the Jew, then to the Gentile. For in the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed. Being right with God is revealed. And it is by faith from first to last, just as it is written, the righteous will live by faith. Why do we pray for faith? Because we need more faith. Because that's how we live. But the question is, as we turn the corner and head into this week of Thanksgiving, and we need to be grateful for the gospel, but how now shall we live? That great Francis Schaeffer, Chuck Colson quote taken on. Well, Jesus told us, as followers of him, this is how we should live. Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey. Same words, by the way. We found it in that last section of Romans. Teach them to obey. Some weren't, some were. We've got to teach them to obey. Everything I have commanded you, and surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age and into the next. But how do we get to the point where we, we go? How, how do we get to that point where we go? I think one of the ways we can get there is this way, by asking this question of ourselves. What what, are, what am I grateful for when I think about the gospel? What am I thankful for? What am I grateful for? Now think about your story. And I'm talking your story of redemption, your story of re- restoration that is still continuing to this day. What are you grateful for? Got it? If you don't, spend some time today. Seriously, spend some time today. What are you grateful for when you think about the gospel? Because I think it sets us up to do what? To go. When we think about how what the gospel does to us, through us, and for us, we can't help to think, oh, wait a second, who am I planning to share the gospel with? Who am I going to give this away to? It was given to me. i got to give it away. Who am I going to pass the ball to? I I want more assists. Coach? Oh. So when you sit at your Thanksgiving table, if you're sitting with others this week, or whatever you're doing, how are you going to get an assist? How are you going to share the gospel? How are you going to move people into this place of being encumbered? Think about this. We see people bound down and, you know, they're staggering under the weight of their chains. And how do we and how are we going to free them in cooperation and co-laboring? with the Holy Spirit in our lives. Oh, friends. So who is it that you're going to talk to? Maybe you have somebody in mind. I have a little, little thing to set up for you. If you've never done this before, I believe you can do it. The Lord's going to give you the words. 
He promised he would. Read Romans. Romans says that he'll give you the words just in time. It's a crazy thing, I know. We live sometimes that way. Just in time training. The Holy Spirit's into this. So write down those names. He had names that came to mind who you're going to share it with. I know you did because the Spirit brought them to mind. You're like, oh, they need to know. Write them down. Then do this. Set up a meeting. This is fear-inducing. I get it. Set up a meeting with them. Pray, pray, and pray, then meet with them. And you might meet with them again, and again, and again. But it's your opportunity to share the gospel. Paul writes to the Romans, Oh, I am not ashamed of the gospel. Can we join him in that? powerful, confidence, courageous statement, I am not ashamed of the gospel, for I know that has liberated me. This Thanksgiving, not only be grateful for what the gospel has done, but what the gospel will do.